0: The following program is produced and powered by StraightRadio.com.
1: Hip hop consists of a few, few elements. You got the rap, DJs, the B Boys, the style of dress, and the graffiti. It's so Sonic Biggs with Let's Talk Hip
2: Hop, the podcast. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Let's Talk Hip Hop, the podcast. And I'm Mr. Biggs, a.k.a. So Sonic Biggs. And I got my opponent, Jay, with me, Telly, R-O-C-K in the city. Working on your body, Mr. Biggs. Ooh. Yes, sir. And we got my man TK with the wine of the week. Yo, 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 what up? And we're going to be reaching out to my man, Jose. Jose is just a brother that been born, love hip hop used to play the bongo drums, and he goes by a, a beatbox carrier. He just brought carried his beatbox all over the damn city, just <laughs> yeah. playing hip-hop. The,
3: the boombox, right? Remember the boombox
1: days? The boombox. Everybody got their boombox. And he also known for um, being one of the first cats to change the colors of his Adidas to match his Kangol. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And people wow. would follow him around like, where you get brown Adidas from? Where you get blue Adidas from? And Quite interesting brother. I knew his brother for a while, man. But Charlie, man, who else we got? None
3: other than the legend himself, Charles Glenn, better known as DJ Africa Islam.
1: Ooh, that's a good one oh, right yeah, there. Oh, yeah, that's
3: a good one. That's a good one. We're going to tell you a lot about Africa Islam, legendary figure in hip-hop. Uh, really big, not just on the East Coast, but... but Overseas and a purveyor of West Coast hip hop, he's actually one of the people who really shine a lot of light on Ice T. People are not aware that Islam, Ice T, is Africa Islam actually helped write the soundtrack to Colors, the seminal movie Colors by oh, Dennis wow. Hopper, starring Robert Duvall and Sean Penn. Well, Africa Islam and Ice T actually wrote the song Colors, so he's he's a seminal figure in the hip hop community, particularly where West Coast hip hop is concerned. And uh we're going to be talking to our brother.
1: Yeah, I mean Islam, we go back. We have- actually played football in high school together. Brother was really good, man, like really good. He's the
3: founder of the Mayberry Zulu. Obviously, he's another one of our Zulu Nation brothers, obviously. And he's the founder of the Mayberry Zulu crew. We'll Mayberry tell you a little more crew. about that, the Mayberry crew. Yes,
1: M.C. Uh, Ed, LaRock Ed, Ed, LaRock Ed LaRock is part of Ed LaRock. Ed LaRock. Yeah, yeah, actually. I was a, he was uh, He's actually one of our uh, first brothers to pass away. He
3: was the first, I think,
1: out of the Zulu crew. Right, yeah. he was a real good brother, man, real yeah. good brother. Died very
3: young and tragically and violently
1: in the 70s. So
3: he's another one of those names that are part of hip-hop history that went and faded into the recesses of hip-hop history unless you were there like we were. Right. And those that's that's a part of the, the attraction of this show, Let's Talk Hip-Hop. We're going to talk about the stuff that you may not know about. I mean, all the different stories that everybody knows. But a lot of those unsung figures that left early for various reasons. um, You know, people who didn't get talked about who were seminal figures in the birth of the embryonic stages of uh, what is today known as hip-hop culture.
1: Billion-dollar industry, man. Billion-dollar industry.
3: Absolutely. The brothers that didn't get to shine, didn't, you know. And and Ed LaRock is one of them.
1: Uh, An untimely death very early when we were teenagers. Yeah, and before we go on, man, I just want to touch on that... uh netflix when they see us Ooh. That man that, that was great Ooh. man it was two-part about the central park five and just to see that was it was like just to those young brothers man was set up so terrible and the system just took advantage of those young brothers and it's, and it's crazy because i know a young lady whose brother was actually the officer that locked them up and he locked them up just for bugging out in the park just doing yeah. shit kids do throwing garbage around and shit like that and when he came home when he came back to work the next day, they told him that these are the young brothers that uh, did this terrible shit to this woman. And he's like, nah, I didn't lock them up for that. And next thing you know, he got a promotion and these little kids, these young brothers got put away for some bullshit.
3: You know, it's interesting. A lot of people made their careers off of that case. Uh, Linda
1: Fairstein, for For example. Uh, uh, Another
3: one, Uh, Elizabeth uh, Schrader or something. The other one, she was the lead prosecutor of Fairstein. And she doesn't you know, she, she unlike Fairstein, kept a very low profile after it all. Who you wrote know? all the books? Fairstein. Fairstein that did, is Fairstein,
0: Fairstein. That is Fairstein. Isn't she getting backlash now?
3: Oh, quite a bit of backlash over this, actually over this um biopic. Because besides the biopic, I don't know if people are aware, there was a documentary by Ken Burns. Yeah, tw- right. Ken Burns, very famous documentarian, uh, does one of my, actually one of my favorite documentaries, which <laughs> is uh, Ken Burns' Jazz. I'm a jazz aficionado, so, you know, and I love that. But Ken Burns' baseball is excellent as well. So um, he actually did a documentary on the Central Park Five, and I saw the documentary before um, When They See Us ever came out, Mm. you know, and so where they're talking to the actual uh, individuals who were involved. And, you know, one of the people, and we talked about this, big one of the people I really felt
1: sorry for,
3: I felt sorry for all of them, but it t- particularly the young man, Corey Wise.
1: Yeah, because yeah. he got it bad, man. They, yes. they, they put him—see, I, I worked—I was juvenile corrections for 23 years, and I know um, Yusuf and another brother, they was in one of them facilities called Holland Valley. That was—I uh, worked uh, limited secure, but when my facility went secure— which is pyramid. Yes. we went secure. I did my training in Harlem Valley and Yusuf was there. Right, right. And um, when Yusuf, when they closed that facility down, a lot of the brothers came to the Bronx to the pyramid. Right. And it's crazy how they were the supervisors. The state had the supervisors every now and then go try to get a confession off of these young brothers. Isn't that amazing?
3: Isn't that amazing?
1: And they just stick to their story. Just like, even though the kid, Wise, went through all that bullshit, he, he, he's never confessed. No. You know, they he's like, fuck, just keep me. I'll just do my time.
3: And the thing is, out of all of them, first of all, he was the only one tried as an adult. Right. Because mm-hmm. he was the oldest of all of them. And as comes out in uh, When They See Us, I don't want to, you know, give it away for people who haven't seen it. But he, more than the other four, got railroaded really bad. Really bad. He wasn't even in the park. Exactly. Either. He went just hanging with... His Friends, He wasn't right. even involved. And, and, and in fact, he wasn't in the park. And, you know, he came along to support one of the other exactly. brothers. I don't want to give it all away. Right. Okay. But he came to the precinct to support, and they tricked him into it. And yeah. And one of the things that you see, and I saw this when I saw the documentary, it is very evident, and, and obviously it comes out these things. There's been a lot of, you know, literature written about the Central Park Five. He had developmental disabilities, right. or oh. has them. And they were aware of it, and they took advantage of it. Oh, you know, same one. Yeah, and and, and and it's really sad when I saw the documentary, and that's when they really, really when I heard him actually speaking as a, and it was very evident to me, particularly maybe because of my background, you know, and work wise, it's like the first thing I said, wait a minute, he's he's slow. You know what I mean? Like he has developmental disabilities. You can hear it, and you Even know, now, he,
1: every the other gentleman they dress like professional. You can still yes. got that kid look to him. Like, yes, wearing the kid stuff. And, yes, yes. And He's actually he's gonna be rewarded more money than the other one's supposed to walk away with $7 million, and he's supposed to walk away with $12 million. Wow. But um, that still ain't enough, man. No, no. There.
3: You took away a good portion of their lives. You took their youth away. And then with him, especially, you took advantage of someone knowingly, knowing that you could get away with things with him because he was not able to comprehend in the same way that the other four, actually the other six, because there were two others that did not get convicted. They got acquitted on the rape charges. Mm. People forget about them. Steven Pagan, I think is his name. And there's another one. But they got convicted on the robberies because their thing was, I guess we're going to get our pound of flesh out of them one way or another. Right. So they actually convicted them on the robberies, but they were acquitted on the rapes. Those five were convicted for the rapes. The other two guys did time for the robberies. That's how they got them.
1: rapes with no evidence yes. at all. and That's crazy. No forensic evidence. At all. And, and, and,
3: and what's even worse, they actually had DNA. They had DNA. And, you know, having the DNA, DNA cannot always say it is you, but what DNA can always do even more so is say it's not you okay mm. and the DNA that they had they knew it proved conclusively that it wasn't any of those five they knew it and they hid it
1: that's what's up it's sad, man. It's sad. Yeah. And the sad part is this shit been going on forever. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I and mean, it's still been, going on.
3: Listen, they've been railroading black brothers and sisters for a time immemorial. I go back, you know, me, the history buff that I am. Um, People may not be familiar, our audience may not be familiar with the Scottsboro Boys, mm. which is a case from, a famous case from the 1930s of- Is it uh, Alabama? It's mm-hmm. Alabama, absolutely. Right. And they were about, I think seven or nine of them. Mm-hmm. That were um, convicted of rape on deport. a train and hadn't done anything too white with, them, right? And they were falsely convicted. So, you know, it's a lot of stuff. It's been going on for a long time.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by Mr. Big Wines along with Mr. Biggs' and Son's Corpse.
0: We'll be right back with Soul Sonic Biggs and Let's Talk Hip Hop.
1: I want to let y'all know this was brought to you by Mr. Biggs Wines, and I'm Mr. Biggs from the legendary group, the show Shining Force, and I can honestly say I'm one of the true founders of this billion-dollar industry called hip-hop. Through it all, I have been very fortunate to travel the world, enjoy some fine things in life, the finer things in life, that is. During that time, I acquired a taste of fine wine. One day, while I was relaxing, sipping on a nice glass of wine, I realized that, I'm part of a new generation that just started appreciating the presence of fine wine. Yes, the early hip-hop generation is now enjoying fine wine. Millions of people throughout the world who grew up on hip-hop now enjoy the great taste of fine wine. That's that Mr. Biggs wine. So when I came up with the idea... To create the first wine of hip-hop, Mr. Biggs Wines, I started off with my wife's favorite, the Moscato. And now we have five flavors that you can choose from. Visit my website at mrbigswines.com to order your bottles today.
2: Everybody
4: in the
1: street, street, get down to the fucking fucking beat. Yeah. Oh, man. I'd like to give a big shout-out to my man, Jay-Z. First billionaire in the game. All right, blessings, all right. brother. Blessings.
3: Yeah, came from the streets. Came from the streets, turned it around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely did. That's Congratulations to you. Also, sucks. you know what? We can't leave out our girl, Riri.
1: Yeah, she did her thing. I, I didn't even know she had all that going on, man.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, Rihanna, she is the first, uh, I believe you said, self-made, uh, richest female 600, artist.
1: $600 million. $600 million. Yeah.
3: and a lot of her, a lot of her um, fortune, for lack of a better way to put it, is from a lot of her products. That's her thing, Fenty.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, so
3: she has a whole lingerie line and uh, cosmetics and everything, and she's killing the game. She's killing them.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And then um, my man, he just brought his uh, Bugatti. He got a hit. (laughs) Yes. Oh man, that's crazy.
3: Tracy Morgan. Oh, my goodness. You'd think he would have learned something about being in moving vehicles after hey, that whole that, thing.
1: Hey, that, I mean, first of all, when you get in a Bugatti, yo, deliver my, my Bugatti to me. Yes. Like, you don't put that on the New York streets right no. out there. No. go it right out the showroom. Two
3: million dollars.
1: Uh, a hundred thousand, I think, a hundred thousand in damage, and it's just a few scratches. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a hand handmade car, so yeah, any
3: damage to it is going to be astronomically high, yeah, money wise. Yeah. You know, but that's what they say. You know, you gotta. If you it, most people can afford the car, it's the,
1: the maintenance
3: maintenance yeah. of the car that people can't afford. But uh, that's Mr. Biggs true. I I I guess are we are we ready? I, I I've heard uh,
1: who we got, man? Who we got?
3: None other than the legend himself, my brother, Africa Islam. Are you with us? Peace, I'm here.
5: <laughs> Brother Islam, what's good with you, baby? Oh, it's all good, man. I'm just trying to
3: learn. <laughs> You're just trying to learn. You are in the presence of greatness right here. The legendary Africa Islam, one of the true pioneers of hip hop and uh, hip hop scratching and mixing, DJing. Oh, uh, Africa Islam, and one of the original Zulu Kings, obviously the founder of the Mayberry Crew. Mayberry Crew. And- <laughs> And more importantly, someone who actually helped put West Coast hip hop on the map. On the map. I heard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The 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 writer, along with Ice T of Colors, the soundtrack for the seminal gang movie Colors, uh, produced by Dennis Hopper, directed by Dennis Hopper, starring uh, Robert Duvall from The Godfather and many other things. Academy Award winner Robert Duvall and Academy right. Award winner, two-time Academy great Award movie, winner great Sean
5: Penn. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Islam, now before we go on, man, I got to ask you this question, my brother. ask all my guests. What's your definition of hip-hop?
5: Being that we're before hip-hop, I guess my definition of hip-hop is the things that we, speaking personally, what we did normally to strive for excellence in our community with what we had, which became the word hip-hop culture. I guess that's my best definition. Because as I see it from traveling the world, and I see people around the world that try to look like us, try Mm -hmm. to dress like us, try to talk like
1: us,
5: try to play our music, and then at the same time, they they profit from us. Big from time. what we originated as a spark, yet there's no there's no um, revenue going back to those that started. So mm-hmm. that's how I see my definition of hip hop. But it, it, it stems from being something that was true. Exactly. First of all.
1: Pure, true, innocent. I don't know about that. We, <laughs> we did some things.
3: Tell me something. Islam. This is Charlie Rock here, man. How you doing, my yep. brother? Peace. Let me ask you this. How sure. did you wind up? on the west coast how did that whole thing um, transpire
5: i was on i went on tour with the rock study crew was their dj and we were doing flash dance and legs took the part of um the chick that was in flash dance. that's how i got there and then because of my dj skills it kept me um clubs kept flying me out there to play like every weekend so that's how i got to the west coast okay mm-hmm. that's interesting
3: now you mentioned something just now of crazy legs Playing the chick, and I'm just uh, quoting your... Jennifer Beals, right. Right, right, right. Now, a lot of people don't know that because when they saw Jennifer Beals or who they thought was Jennifer Beals doing the actual dancing... That was actually Crazy Legs doing the dancing. That's correct. Yeah, that's, that's deep. That's
1: correct. That's yeah. deep. That's hey, yo, Iz, I gotta ask you this, man. man. Ice, Ice told me this shit a long time ago, man. You yeah. had a, you had a duck that drowned, man. Is, is, is any truth
5: to that? That's man? a true story. It was like I, I used to have like a lot of lizards and um, snakes, you know, big snakes. Oh, being me, um, you know, one day the, the, the little chicks was out and I couldn't feed them, so I just bought ducks. But at the time, you know, all the queens that were out there were like, "Yeah, you can't feed the the lizard the ducks. You know, these are chicken. You know, ducklings. You got to keep them. You know." I was like, "You kidding me? You know, South Bronx boy." I'm like, "Yeah, feed them to the (laughs) python." So what happened was, so what happened was, we kept the ducks. I mean, we kept and they grew. I mean, they grew from being little ducklings to like being like a pack duck. Mm. You know, anytime somebody would ring the bell, they would just run towards the door. So it was a good thing to have them around the house. There were three ducks, <laughs> and um, so when the summer came, they, I mean, you know, these ducks are about seven, eight um, months old now. So when the ducks came, I mean, when the when the summer came, you know, me and I were like, "Yo, let's take them outside and put them into the into the pool," you know, so they could swim. Little did we know that if those ducks couldn't swim. <laughs> So we put them in the pool, and, you know, we're just, me and Ice is just talking, and they turned upside down. Like, they just, you know, they turned upside down. So I dive into the pool. I'm grabbing a duck. I'm like, yo, the duck can't swim. So me and Ice is doing CPR on the duck. Like, you know, we were like... Pushing air into his mouth, and you know, I mean, straight up, everybody's in a panic around the crib. And this is in Hollywood, you know, so you got nosy, you know, I mean, nosy neighbors and the whole thing, you know. Yeah. So everybody's in a panic. Are oh, you killing the ducks? I'm like, yeah, the ducks can't swim. Ducks can't swim. <laughs> Whoever would have thought about the ducks can't swim? Well, that's so you, we you... finally we finally pushed the water out of them. The ducks is real. They're real pissed off now. Oh,
1: they they're not dead. Like okay. Like we
5: tried to kill them. <laughs>
3: Well you had attack ducks, you didn't have swimming ducks. Everybody else in Hollywood has attack dogs. You have attack ducks.
5: We life. had attack ducks. When you rang the doorbell, the ducks was automatically at the door quacking real loud. So we knew, you know, we knew what, what the deal was. We we knew when people were coming over. Okay. But yeah, man, that was the story. That was the truth.
1: A duck crazy. alarm. That's crazy. It, duck it, alarm. It, That's a good one. Is how, how long were you out in uh, Japan? I mean, you was all over the world, man. Yeah.
5: So when I touched down in Japan, um Originally, I touched out in Japan when we did the Wildstyle Tour. So, right. Yeah, the Wild Style movie tour with Kaz, with DST, with um, Rocksteady. I think the Double Ducks girls were down with that. So I think that was 82.
1: What happened to that? And what ha- I,
5: I think it was 82 for the Wildstyle Tour with Charlie Ahorn. Um, and we originally did um, two weeks. Uh, two or three weeks we originally did. That would be right. Phase 2 was in this. Um, two or 2000, Busy B. Whole So it was about, was all of us, I think it was about two or three weeks we did this for the for the tour. So that planted, that's the official plant of the seed of real hip-hop in Japan. And then what happened was I kept going back, and I started, I created a zoo Nation in Japan. Okay. So I, I would fly back four or five times that year and stay for three months and created um, divisions and created a Zulu Nation of Japan, even created a club called United Nations, which is a Zulu Nation club. So what I did is I started training the DJs, uh, you know, in, in our particular style of playing all type of music, and I started working on putting together the MCs. And with the help of Melly Mel and Whipper Whip, we went out there and started training, you know, actually training them like that's 82, uh, 83 until the wow. Zool Nation was established in Japan. And basically everything that came from J-pop came, you know, directly out of the Zool Nation.
3: Um, I have a question for you, brother. And, yep. you know, one of the things that we want to talk is shine some light with uh, yep. Let's Talk Hip-Hop is shine some light on some of the lesser-known names uh, that people might not be aware of that were uh-huh. in the beginnings of what we today call hip-hop. And yep. uh, Mr. Biggs and I, of course, we're talking about none other than your partner, the late Edwin Soto, more better known right. as Ed LaRock. Ed LaRock. Can you tell the audience a little bit about Ed LaRock and your relationship with him?
5: Well, me and Ed, lived in, we lived like... You know, like a street away from each other, you know, in um the section of the where we call the, you know the Mayberry crew. So I got there. I think he was there first. And when I moved in, coming coming back from school, when I moved in, um he was a DJ, but he was basically basically learning how to DJ. Okay. And he was basically a Puerto Rican brother that was playing you know most of the the Webo stuff and the classics, the classic dance you know hustle time. And yeah. then when I when I moved in, I was already kind of kind of DJ, but I was a b-boy. Right, so right, when right. we hooked up together, it was, um, you know, putting the sound systems together. That was really what, that's really what our job was, was building sound systems. So we would take our school money, our lunch money, and go downtown and, you know, meet up with Lucky Rivas, which most people don't know is, um Mr. Magic yeah. on Church Street, and we would buy speakers. And that, that, now that spread from me and Ed to me, Jazzy, and Superman, mm, okay. all coming together and building the sound systems for, the Zulu Nation, you know, what I mean, basically that's what what our job was, with no problems at all. That's what we did. So when me and Ed teamed up, it was DJ Islam and Ed rock yes. and that's how we teamed up as a team at, at that particular point. And um, th- that's the story of Ed That's what we were, you know, we were just uh, street away from each other and part of the recruit crew, part of the organization at the time.
1: Yeah, yes. he was. That was he was a good brother, man. A yes. Real good brother. Definitely yeah, lost him.
5: Straight. Straight brother, straight brother. He was definitely down for the cause, and he put all of his heart and soul into it. That's correct. Yeah, hey,
1: you and I, we go back, <clears throat> high school days. Excuse me, and um, I tell right. folks, I say, man, y'all don't know. Islam used to run that football, man. He ran, yo. Oh, yeah. I'd say, yo, For sure. hey, yo, he was a bad boy, man. I'd be telling Islam. he said, Islam? I used, to be, I, I used to couldn't wait to make my block to see you run down the field. I'm like, yo, look at this dude, man. Yeah,
5: oh, man. Was, man that, that, was, that was on that Barry Sanders. Clip. Like, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, I, I yeah. Know, to, me, I, to me, I always thought I ran like a rabbit because it was just like running like, um, I guess I, from, the, from Ring of Levia, it was just like, don't, you can't touch me. Right. That was the whole idea. And those cuts that I was making, those, you know, 90-degree cuts, that's all all from was, But when we translated that on the field as Monroe Eagles, it was about scoring. You know what I mean? And we did it well. Straight up, we sure did. We had a nice team. We did it well. You know what I mean? We sure did. We sure did. We sure did. There's no doubts about that. That's historic. But a lot of times I used to feed off of Bigs back.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> when he'd
5: make that when he make that first block and I'd scream out to the left and Biggs would knock these dudes down, I was just <laughs> cut, man. It was gone. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Was, yeah, that was yeah. a good thing. That was yeah. a good thing. Well that's like running around
3: that's, that's like running behind a wall, running behind Mr. Biggs now.
5: <laughs> basically, you know when they when they call that play, that's what it was.
3: Yeah. yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean?
5: You know, that that's what it was though, but Hey, look, that's what family's for. I mean, that's, that's how right. we—that's how deep we go back.
3: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, that's, so we and, and actually,
5: that. looking back, that's when you could tell where true friendship and true um, hip-hop, what the true meaning of it is. Because you could look back and you could put it 30 years, 40 years back and go, look, we're just saying, we yeah. still did it.
3: Almost 45. You know, without,
5: yeah, without the animosity. Without, we just we did it because the cause had to be done. And I, and I can't say that's missing. I could say that's not evidently at the top of most people's agendas.
3: Well, I think, you know, once, you know, something becomes monetized and it's yes. commercial, you know, yes. the love of it goes away. Because now it's about, you know, it's about making a dollar and there's it's, it's a bottom line to it. And, you know, I mean, what we did was for the love of it. I mean, you know, we're talking about, as I say all the time, especially as B-boys. You know, yes. picking glass That's out of right. our hands. No yes. cardboard, right. no. <laughs>
5: right. right. You no, know no, what I mean? I mean, you know, with the DNA. Exactly. And the, and the spark. That's but, right. You know, you, you, have to, you have to look at the part of the gray boys. Gray boys, to me, are the suits. you got to look at the part. Mm. They have always come down and marketed, merchandised, and stolen culture. Well, yeah, that's the and, job. And then put it into a product.
3: That's yeah. right. That's and the goal. Then,
5: and then they passed it down within families.
4: That's true. Mm, exactly. that's true. They
5: didn't spread it out and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm I'm, through with this label I got that's exploiting people, you know, from the days of Moms, Maybelline, and Flip Wilson. They didn't just say, hey, take this label out, even though you're 90% of it is black talent. They passed that down when they stepped off. They passed it to a son. Yeah. That's and it stayed weird. in there. And to me, you know, I call them gray boys, but it's like, just look at the strategy that they used. That strategy was in place before we were born.
3: Okay. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. You know, I uh, got a question for you. Because, yes. again, one of the things we said, uh, you are a seminal figure in the beginning, in the burgeoning of West Coast hip-hop. So, actually, two yes. questions. One, how did your association with um, Ice-T begin? Two... Okay. Um, Where do you think West Coast hip hop fits in? Or where do you think the West Coast
5: fits into hip hop in those days and today? Okay, so I'll take it back to the 808. Me going out to the West Coast with the Rocksteady crew was one thing and me DJing and having all the breaks. So when I played at that same show, I met um, Shalimar, because everybody showed up at the show. Right. At the same time, I, we, I met Shalimar. Herbie Hancock showed up. That's where he actually met DST, I think. Um, so there were a lot of lakeside, you know, lakeside uh, I means so that LA, that LA label showed up because we were right on Sunset Boulevard. So yeah, that's Solar Solar Records. Was. You know, what I mean, they, they they came down. But then so did the West Coast dancers. So that would have been Popping pop and Taco. That would have been um, Egyptian Lover, and. Mm. Um, Uncle Jam's Army, which was the black former with the, what was going on in L.A. Okay. So the deal was um, playing the 808 was part of our show anyway because of Planet Rock and all the type of, you know, electronic beats. Was, I, was, I was rocking the 808 as right. part of the set. My association with Ice was because he was an MC at a club that I played at which was uh, the Radiotron and Radio. And BAMP had met Ice before I did. Mm. So when he came, when BAMP came back, he said, you go into the West Coast, you need to check out this brother Ice-T. And he mentioned him as a Zulu king. So when me and Ice met at the club, and we met as friends of the graffiti, the graffiti writers that own the club, yes. brothers named by the name of Alex and KK, who were running the club, when well, we met, we just basically hit it off for you know, just the fact of he was in the Army, I was in military school. He, you know, he understood the iceberg slim stuff. I understood the Donald going stuff. There was just certain things that manifested between us, which was the friendship. Right. So when he was rapping, an Egyptian level was the DJ, and the glove was the DJ. When they were when they were playing, they were all playing up tempo music. So all of it was basically a planet rock of a planet ism. So me fitting in was simple. And most of those brothers popped to Planet Rock.
3: Right, 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 right. Yeah, definitely so, the pop locking thing, absolutely. Right,
5: so, so you could understand what the connection was. It was up tempo hip hop, and we were the only ones doing it, whether it was Too Live or So Mixed lot afterwards. That was the connection. Now, when I started staying out at Ice's crib, because that's basically what happened, I came out a couple more times. I stayed in his crib. He lived in Hollywood on Beachwood Glob at the top. So when I say to this crib, we basically were just going over, you know, him taking me to clubs, and I would perform, and he'd jump on the mic. There was no money involved. This is just what we did. Uh-huh. It's when I brought ice back to New York, to the South Bronx, and we played the Prospect Theater.
1: Yeah, remember that.
5: And I put that, I put that event on as, you know, it was a Zulu Nation event. We played the Prospect Theater with Aaron Greenlock Kim, um, um, KRS-One. And okay. others, Donald D. But and Kaz. So Kaz, Mel, Kaz, Grandmaster Millie Mel, they stayed around Ice because Ice lived in Macrib in the South Bronx. So right. they all stayed around. They stayed around Ice because we were all together at that time. So he picked up that influence. When we got back to the South, I mean, when we played um, um, the Prospect Theater. That's the time when Larry Davis got was doing his thing with you know with the police and got arrested. Wow. Well, actually, he was on the loose. The record that me and Ice had done was six in the morning, so we did what he did six in the morning. You know, six in the morning. You know, yes. It was the same time. It was the same idea when the police raided Larry Davis. That was all in the New York Post. People thought he wrote that record for Larry Davis, but it wasn't. It was the first record that I had done um, down tempo
4: mm-hmm. for him
5: oh, wow. on the from the West Coast. Now that's also. The same beat on my D.M.X. that I had done to a person I knew who was a friend of mine called E.V.E. Okay, E.V.E. That became Dope Man, Dope Man, and Gangsta Gangsta. It was the same record. If you listen to it, same beat. It was in the same drum machine. Right. Wow. And I gave when I was on the West Coast, I gave the 808 to Egyptian Lover, and that's you know basically started his career. Wow. He stayed up tempo, wow. up tempo electro, and the name of the label was called Techno Hot. So that's the connection. But when Ice went back to, came to New York and stayed in the South Bronx, 156th Street, and Mel and Kaz were around him riding with him, we did everything as Africa and the zoo came. That's the story. That's the real story. He actually came back and served his time, brought his brothers from the West Coast to New York as well, and, and, and it was just a basic thing that we all hung out together and went to the clubs, went to the studios. So by the time he went back to the West Coast, he was already crowned. Like it was like, no, you really spent time yeah. in the South Bronx, and you yeah. got these records, and that's so. He did know, his internship, been, been <laughs> on. but it was all
1: Zulu, It was all really again done from love. All right, mm. all right. So is um, what you doing now? I don't know my son and I saw you down in Brooklyn, and I was like, see, right. that's that's a DJ right there, man. You took yeah. me back, man. It just felt so good to hear you again. And my son was like, yo, dad, he killing it. So that's the shit I grew oh, up on, man. Exactly, exactly.
5: So the deal is, it's like when, when, I, went, when I first went out to, um, to Germany, yes. I was asked to play this event called Mayday. And sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and play this event. But right. when I got there, the event was, um, the guy that asked me to come out, his name is Westbam, which means West mm. in German. That was his name. I'm like, yeah sure, I'll play, you know you know it's a family thing, yeah, no doubt. I had played with him and some of, some of these other dance DJs when I was in LA at some of the early raves in like 1992. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go out, I'll play. Yeah, you know, there's 50,000 people at this thing. you know, yes, indoor in, indoor party and I'm like, yeah what And I'm thinking you know let me look for the promoter, you know what I mean? Well the promoter was West End. So I'm seeing DJ music. DJs at another level. And I'm like, don't never let this happen in America. Wow. Now, what I saw was the initiation of what an EDM now in America. Mm, okay. That's what I saw. And I was like, yo, I got to holler back and tell people. So every time I call back, you know, yo, I'm playing for 40,000 people. West band invited me to another party and it was called the love parade. You love it. I'm coming out. It was 1.8 million people there. Wow. Ooh, I'm like, Ain't nobody getting shot. Like, ain't no, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, yo, you know, they selling ecstasy. I'm like, who's the drug dealer? I know he's. I know he just gotta stay in one place. Yeah,
3: he just he's
5: gonna, <laughs> he's gonna sell out. That's he's crazy.
3: Gone. That's amazing. So
5: when I saw that, I was like, yo, I, I gotta break out to Germany. I gotta invest my time into this because one, it's electronic music. It might be straight, you know, straight white boys doing it. But I'm like, yo, we could bring this back because I could play this. This is planet rock to me. This is nothing new.
0: This yeah, is B-boy
5: right. music. So I spent, you know, in, in a sense, the last 16 years in Germany and traveling the world. And I mean, really traveling the world with this. Yeah. And it was off the radar on most of the brothers in America. Even though I was always calling back, your whip, you got to see this. Yo, Mel, you got to see this. You got to, you know, I put BAMP onto this. I'm like, look, man, there's a whole nother culture over here. In right. all 28 states of the EU, and mm-hmm. that whole electronic thing was uh, what happened. With, with me coming back to Shemansky's club was we got a PR agent that was deep into the EDM scene here, which is basically the Las Vegas, Las Vegas and Miami ultra scene. And I'm like, look, I can play this. I mean, I have spent 16 years 16 years in the Charlene Temple, like you know, learning this. Right, I <laughs> could play it. You know what I mean? I know how to get down, but I'm going to get down my way. I'm not going to get down their way. Their way is they play a record for seven minutes. My way is that record may not see 30 seconds.
1: That's crazy.
5: But from what I did, me being the only brother representing the nation in places like Estonia and Lithuania and Czech Republic, wow. they're like, yo, this dude's going off. All the other DJs were slow.
4: That's so crazy. what we
5: created was Electronic Beat Empire, which is accompanied with just me and Ice. No wow. And this was the first step coming back. Now, believe me, we definitely hit mad resistance from I the promoters imagine, that do these—you know, these concerts and EDM. I mean, these EDM concerts. But look, when you look at the numbers, this is this is the whole thing. When you look at the numbers, it's ninety-nine 99% percent white, ninety-nine point nine percent white, and it's young, young, young white kids. So they got their own music where they could step off of hip hop. Mm.
4: You
5: know what yes. I mean? And when you look at the numbers on how much the DJ is getting paid. Well, if you put together Calvin Harris, you put together Marshmallow, yo, they made half a billion last year.
1: Woo! On that wow. note is, man, I'm gonna have to reschedule again because this is gonna have to continue, baby. Yeah. But yo, I appreciate you, man. I love you. We go back like car seats, man. That's right, brother. Woo! That no was doubt. deep.
5: No doubt. I just wanna let's say that I mean, that's and that's what I wanted to say mainly was like, yo, they made half a billion. How come ever all the brothers is sleeping on this?
3: Jesus. Well, they're not going to be sleeping now, is because you just told them all on Soul Sonic Big's Let's Talk Hip Hop. Yes. And, and there has straight, to be a part two to this, my brother.
5: That's straight up the way it is. And once they started including, hey, electronic dance music is trap and dubstep, I was like, yo, what is it? Isn't trap from
1: Brothers? Wow. Wait
2: a minute! How come brothers ain't getting that
4: paper?
1: Yeah, I might have to. I might have to get on a plane. Is eh? yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so that's what. That's basically. And this is what. This is what me and Ice are doing. We're trying to put our
5: foot in the door, so Over we can let some mothers in. All right. Man, that's I still how, got, that's the deal. I still got that's a voice.
3: voice. Is I still got a nice voice. It is. <laughs> I,
5: I, 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 yeah, there's no doubt about. It. Believe me, if you listen to that music, there's only about four words in
1: most of those songs. Yep. All right. All right. <laughs> all right, it is, man. Love you, boy. Mahalo right. at you, My man. man. Take care. The legendary Africa Islam. All right. This podcast has been brought to you by Mr. Biggs Wines, along with Mr. Biggs and Sons Corp. Ayo, Charlie, man. That's, that was great, man. Well, that was
3: awesome. I that mean, you great. know, really, not only just going down memory lane, but to see how he built. You know what I mean? Going out to the West Coast. I mean, people are not aware. Of how influential Islam is to West Coast hip hop and hip hop all around the world. And and I'll be very honest, and, and that's my man. We know him. And I was not even as aware of his, you know, gravity, his his magnitude and 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 his his reach as far as spreading hip hop and culture all around the world.
1: Wow. Uh, and we'll be right back. Biggs, Let's
4: Talk Hip-Hop. So, Sonic Biggs with Let's Talk Hip-Hop, the podcast. All
3: right, all right, all right. Always liked this jam, street dance, you know? Yeah, that was that smooth. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me of Mario. This is another Mario kind of song. Chuck Chuck City. Chuck Chuck City. Mercy Mercy me. (laughs) Absolutely. That was a good brother, man. Yeah, yeah. Hustle on. Absolutely. Good times. Good times back in those days. Absolutely right. And whatnot. You know, Mr. Biggs, um, just speaking about that whole thing with Africa Islam and with Ed LaRock, especially, like I said, his name was Edwin Soto. And as Islam said, he was a Puerto Rican. The reason I'm mentioning that is because there's always this narrative, especially in more recent years, that talks about there were no Puerto Ricans around at that time and that the Puerto Ricans created this. And, and and I really get upset with that because we always had Puerto Rican brothers down with us. Always. always. I'm talking about from Spade days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Crazy so, Eddie. And yeah, Crazy Eddie. Eddie, Eddie absolutely, Crazy Eddie. Uh, text DJ Hollywood. Real name, David Santiago, you know? And and, and I just, oh, Goodfoot, there's so many. And, you know, I just get really upset because good people try that whole divide and Izzy, conquer kind of thing. Izzy, exactly. Goodfoot, Izzy. Izzy. Oh, Wild man. child.
1: Wild child. Rene wow. Ortiz.
3: Wow. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely was. Absolutely was. And so, you know, I mean, when people try that whole divide and conquer, especially among people who are all brown-skinned. Yeah, yeah, All of us. They always try that
1: bullshit. You know, yeah, and, and you, yeah, yeah and, 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 and people buy into it. They buy into that bush. Yeah. Yo, Jose. You? You in the building, baby. I'm in the place. I'm in the place. Yeah, how you doing, man? <laughs> how you let's doing? Let's get it on. How you doing, man? I'm here with yo, my point. Yo, congratulations to this show. is very important. Let's get it on, baby. Yes, all you right, right. Hey, yo, give me your definition of hip-hop, man, before we go any further.
2: Okay, let's
1: say uh,
2: upliftment and hope. That's what it brought to our... Uh, Situation in the '70s. I mean, a lot of jobs were lost by Reagan. He cut mad jobs, and we were standing there like, "What?" Before you know it, the turntables came out, the uh, the crates of records, the mics, the the, uh, turntables, the the mixer, and it was on and popping, man. All right, all right. Everything turned around right there. You know, it just uplifted us. It was hope for us.
1: All right,
3: that's my
2: definition of hip hop.
3: Jose, this is Zulu King, Charlie Rock. How are you, my brother? Oh, I'm
2: good. I'm good, man. All right. I'm very
3: good. Yeah, Mr. Big's been telling me all about you. You know, that's my man right there. We go yes, back like car seats, as he likes yes, to say. Yes, indeed. And he was telling me about, you know, your love of the boombox culture. Tell us oh, a little yeah. bit about that.
2: Okay. Uh, let's just say I own, like, a JVC Big Speaker Box, and I also owned a Sanyo. And uh, I, what I did was, when I went to Manhattan... I would cruise Manhattan, walk the streets of Manhattan with all the uptown recorded uh, at their cassettes. Uh, all the rappers were on there. All the, the, uh, the sample music was on there. So people would stop me and ask, what's that? Where is it coming from? And I would explain. That's coming from uptown. That's coming from the BX, the boogie down at the time. Uh, it's coming from Harlem. And it will be in your neighborhood soon. You understand? So we, I kind of moved it. I kind of moved it from borough to borough, starting with Manhattan on out. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, love, and uh, that it was important because a kid brother of mine, Randy Rand, DJ Randy Rand, gave me a whole mess of cassettes. Then we went and started recording at all the parties in the park. So we, t- I took that, and p- put it into my my cassette deck. And I played it all over Manhattan, Queens, Bronx, uh, at the Brooklyn, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's how we did the boombox thing.
1: Okay, a lot of people okay. don't understand how important that boombox, because like you said, the boombox just got our music everywhere, you know, because exactly. when it wasn't in Brooklyn Staten Island. Long Island, you have brothers from the Boogie Down, Harlem. Man, the they're playing around. it
2: off the shuttle by now.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you understand? Right. It's up
2: in the, in the space station right now. You understand? I, I explained to you. They playing that in, in military tanks up in Afghanistan. You understand? China, Japan, Australia, London, you name it, it's there. You're
4: absolutely and right.
2: That was the magic that we felt. That was the excitement that we felt when we watched the creation of Happened right before our eyes. And the thing was, it was an uptown thing only. If you wanted to hear it, either we brought it to you by cassette and boombox, or you had to go uptown. And a lot of people wasn't into going into other people's territories.
3: Absolutely the, right. That's the absolutely beauty right. of it
2: was that MCs were showing up at every uh, uh, street party. You know how we plugged into the light pole and it was on and popping. And, uh, yeah, for some reason, there were more than one MC. There was more than one DJ. And you would collaborate. You would, you would pass the, the tables to the next DJ or you would pass the mic to the next MC. And, listen, man, it was the greatest upliftment at that time in the 70s, man, because yeah. in the 70s, they got a little tight. You know, yes. with Reagan and them, He got very tight. Reaganomics really did a number. Yes. But, yes. yeah, man, that was that deal.
1: Jose, back up off your phone a little bit, cause you 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 loud, you pop You got it. And um, tell I'm telling brothers like back then when brothers was playing them bongo drums, you was on them drums, man. You was... exactly. I'm a bongo player. I got uh, one, two, three, four, five bongos right here in my living
2: room. Uh, and you know I play with a little band. We get down. Uh, we having some rehearsals in the near future, trying to prepare for for a performance we're gonna do. You're yeah, correct. and I that played in school with the dance classes up in PS 123 in Harlem because I'm from Drew Hamilton Projects.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, Drew. Man. I used to and, hang uh, in Drew, brother. Yeah, 2688th, Avenue. 2688th Avenue. 2688th Avenue. Say it again. 2688th Avenue. Exactly.
2: 2688th yes. Avenue.
3: Yeah, I know it. I, my family's from over there.
2: Wow. Apartment 16. You know, uh,. Mike Goodhope, which was uh, Mike G, he passed a year ago. He was from that building. Also, Donald D. and B. Fats was from that same building. Yes, they were. B Me Fats and Biggs were the, talking the, about the that.
3: Wild. Yes, yes. We Biggs yeah. and I were just talking about that. My cousin, you might know him. He, his name, he lived on the eighth floor. His name was James Murphy. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. Now
2: we talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Murphy and i It's a small world, baby. Yes, it is, yes it is. Yes, is a James
3: was... Murph was actually my is actually well, was was, passed passed but that's that's my, my daughter's godfather.
2: Well, that's the importance of this show. Uh, you of know, Busy little just passed, and no one's talking about Busy bit because B- he was one B- of B- the young B- founders, B- you know, although he did get established, talk, that's many love, love, rappers that's didn't get B- contracts, didn't Record uh, deals. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Blow, uh, Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five. I even was on a boat ride in '78 with Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five, and AJ and Starsky, and that was the greatest boat ride of all time. It was one of the first (laughs) hip hop boat rides on the Hudson.
3: We actually talked about that boat ride in one of our early episodes of Let's Talk Hip Hop. Wow, that was Manhattan
2: Vocational, which was all boys school, and Dodge High School, which was all girls school yes the electricity on that boat yo listen i don't even think they needed a uh you know someone to drive the boat that thing was moving on its own <laughs> so
1: your, your that's boat, how that went
2: man it was incredible
1: your boat ride actually left the dock the one that we uh, talked about the yeah. one we talked about it was so many people that they they couldn't even leave man yeah wow, and lovebug starsky bullshit, was actually it, at that was one too then and
2: you know uh it was minimal you know you didn't have it on vinyl you didn't have it. They didn't play on radio station. You only have BLS and um that played R and B uh, and the AM. Uh, you had the Super Sixteen, I think it was.
3: Yes, WWRL. AM, that's right.
2: WWRL, something like that. Yeah, and Disco Ninety Two. WKT were paranoid of hip hop at that time. Yeah, everybody. Once the albums dropped, you know Curtis and these people had their albums. Then it started playing on radio, just a little minute of it, you know, and then you remember. I think it was, who was the DJ? Oh, you remember Kid Capri? You know, he took it to the next level. But you had, on um, BLS, they had a Saturday night where they would play you an hour of all hip hop. Mr. You Mr. Know, Magic. We all, we all put it on that station because that, that, was, that, was, that was the only place you can hear it.
1: Yeah. It, Mr. Yeah. Magic. it was limited. Not. Absolutely. Hey, right. hey, hey, tell me a little bit about the sneakers, man. How you hook oh, up the your? Or the fashion.
2: Adidas. I'm gonna start off with the four finger ring. You remember that, right? Hey, no yes, sir. And the name buckles. I got, I got my name buckle on now. My Jose and Brass. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about the sneaker. Uh, I took. I worked at a art shop, so I took the Pilot, the Pilot Marker, which high one ten and them were tagging all over New York with those. Yes. So I took a brown Pilot Marker and I took the white on white. The sneaker, the sneaker industry, Adidas and Puma specifically, were the, the choice of sneaker of that time.
3: That's right, that's before and Nike, you're absolutely right.
2: Exactly, and they made sneakers in white and black and all white, so I took the all white and I made it brown to match my, my, Adidas, my Kango, my brown Kango. The Adidas stripes, I would paint them brown. Then I took the all white Puma and I painted the stripe, the Puma stripe, all white leather and white. And I put the green on it so it can match my green Kangol. We wore it with short skin pants, etc. We wore the how you call it the 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 Lee dark, the dark blue Lee jeans.
3: Yeah, Lee bell bottoms with the crease. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. we
2: what we did with those. Uh, we put the stitching in the front and the back, and then we starch the crap
3: out of those. Stitch the crease. So starch That's played right. a
2: ma- major role. Yeah. And on the sneaker, Griffin, white Griffin, played a major role. We used yeah. to, you know, times are tight. So, so we would take <laughs> our sneakers and refurbish them. That's right, you know, sure. And the Griffin may have gone onto the sneaker doll, but when you buff them, they've a to have. Yes, sir,
3: you're absolutely right. That's how we got oh, down in them man. days, man. Oh, you talking hip hop fashion, baby, yeah. for real. Yeah, talking
2: hip hop fashion, but you couldn't buy that on Madison Avenue, baby. That's nah, Right
1: nah. That's right. oh baby, man, on that note, no, on that note, Jose, man, I'm a holler at you, man. I'm glad you called in, man. It it's was nice a talking to you, my man. man. Oh, big,
2: man, I appreciate it. No doubt. Uh, keep your keep the good work going. You guys keep that going, man, because it's very important, all right?
3: No oh, doubt. listen, a pleasure Please. to speak with you and a pleasure to hopefully meet you in person one day soon, brother. Absolutely. I'm down with that, okay?
1: I got it? holy peace. They peace. Stay safe. Peace, baby. Yeah, we
0: coming back. Yo, TK, you in the building? Yo, I'm still in the building. Oh, man, oh, what's that
1: wine of the week, yo, my man? That, Get to me.
0: That wine of the week is something called a Prosecco Extra Dry. Ooh. Ooh.
1: I don't know if I had that one.
0: I don't know either but I'm I'm not sure. We'll we'll, we'll check later. <laughs> so, that Prosecco extra dry that means it's very dry. Yes. So, it's from Italy, right? And it goes good with with dishes like fish and um creamy desserts. Creamy desserts? Creamy desserts like I don't want to say like ice cream or something like no. that. No, that parfaits or parfaits something like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ice cream, man,
1: you be all messed yeah. up. Yeah, that's that's
0: that's that's a that's a fight to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not like <laughs> chocolate éclair kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, right, right,
1: all right. So wow. where 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 can we find?
0: We well, you can go on my website, Mister Biggs and Sons Corp, or you can go on Mister Biggs Wines to get that other great Mister Biggs wines.
1: All right. There you go. This all podcast right. has been brought to you by Mister Biggs Wines. Along with Mr. Biggs and Sons. Core, oh, baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charlie, man. This yes, a,
3: sir. A- Beautiful 12 weeks, man. Yeah, we're about at the end of the road for season one. That's right, man. 12
0: weeks. That went by fast. That went fast. It went fast man. That you went know fast. what
3: time flies when you're having a good time, brother, and you're reminiscing with old friends. And like I told you, like we tell you all on a regular basis, me and Biggs, we go back like car seats almost 45 years. Easy. So, you know, it's, it's easy when you're talking with somebody who is familiar with what you're talking about.
1: You know what I mean? And was really a part of it. I. I can't wait till season two, brother. Oh, man. We're going to start that off with a bang. I don't even going to talk about it. We're gonna, hey, this is going to get bigger and bigger, man. Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
3: And that audience, you make sure you 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 stay tuned and stay listening to uh, Mr. Biggs. Let's talk hip-hop. Soul Sonic Biggs. Let's talk hip-hop. Because we're going to give you all the good, the bad, the ugly, the damn and the dirty of the beginnings of what is today known as hip-hop culture. Um, you know, Biggs, I... Um, Listen, I was always thinking about this guy, the brother Jose. It was just really good to talk with him, man. And yeah. that, that fashion really making something out of nothing.
1: That's what we did, man. That's exactly what we did. Absolutely. And then Islam, man, he was quite light, man. I, like, I didn't even know some of that stuff, in. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. He's he's a seminal figure around the world, you know. We didn't even mention his crew, The Funk Machine.
1: The Funk Machine.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I emceed a couple of times for Islam. You know? So it's, I, I guess it's, it, the, the clock on the wall says we got to go, Mr. Big.
1: Hey, on um, peace of love, man. Until next week. So shiny, Big. Let's talk hip-hop. Big.
3: Rock Creek Park. Rock Creek Park. I love this song, Big. I love this song. I love this song. But you know what? On this album, City Life, they, the song on this album, City Life, nobody ever played it. I'm telling you, when I listen to it, I want to go off, Big. Oh, you gotta check it out.